welcome to the Kingdom Ministries podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Our podcast is listener supported and we welcome your donations. Kingdom Ministries equips and empowers you to continue Jesus's ministry of the kingdom of God through resources like this podcast, as well as in-person training and online articles. To get started, visit us at kingdomtools.org. Now, uh, the kingdom of God is here, Jesus is announcing. He's saying, I've come to overthrow this tyrannical rule of Satan, and I'm coming to take back what belongs to me, people I created in my image. We learned in Prayer 101 that Jesus prayed with authority, commanding things to be as God desires them to be. In this new series, Prayer 102, Keith Martins teaches a local Fresno church the three keys to the kingdom of God and the importance of scripture as our compass to know what to do and how to do it. In part five of this series, Keith elaborates on the kingdom of God, demonstrating very clearly what Jesus's ministry was about and how we can continue in his footsteps with authoritative prayer and proclamation. Now, Jesus said this, look, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That's very important. If you really want to see things, you wonder why not much has happened in church. Well, because we're supposed to go to people who really need it. He goes, I didn't really come for like the people that are well. You guys are doing pretty good. You're saved. You have eternal life. You probably got a 401k and a nice health insurance plan. So, you know, I really came for the sick people. The people don't have all that stuff. Okay? And so I'm expecting some good things as I go back to this this youth with the mission in, in Dainuba of all places. I can't believe it. Gleans for the hungry. This is a big operation. But there's a girl there who, when she started this thing, she's two weeks off the street of this woman. She's, she was a prostitute two weeks before she came to this discipleship school and was a drug dealer. So I'm thinking she's got a lot of need. She's hungry for God. She asked great questions. I'm expecting he probably, Jesus probably wants to do a few things for her. Wouldn't you? Okay, and so preach the gospel to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, not just from their sin, but people from demonic bondage, announce recovery of sight to the blind, both spiritual metaphor as well as, you know, actually healing blind people, right? Set free those who are oppressed. Okay, those who are oppressed. Now that can mean a lot of things. Do you know that most of the things you're going to deal with in regard to doing this testing for demonic with other believers, for example will be mainly dealing with lies they believe. You know, if you believe a lie, you don't, you don't even need a demon. I mean, why would they waste one on you? You know what I mean? If you believe that you are, have done something so bad that you can never be forgiven from, and you, you feel like if you were to witness to somebody, you would be a hypocrite, what would you need a spirit for? You're already on the sidelines, but you believe a lie that you can't be forgiven or that you can never get free or that you can never quit drinking, or that you can never get off of drugs, or that you can never do this, or that this is never going to change. See? And then we go into those prayers, those prayers that are without faith, and we start praying, oh, God, don't you care about me? And then we say, well, forget you then. I'll go somewhere else. I'll do something else. I'll just go on my own. Or I'll kill myself. I'll show you. You know what I'm saying? And so we, 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 this compass thing is, is, is critical as we begin to start with God's word and then we involve other people in this battle, maybe the battle is bigger than you can handle. When you're in the soup and you're feeling it all and your family is going through a, a hellacious time or you're in a, a really tough spot and you've got the news, you've got cancer, and you've, got a, you've got something more than the rest of us have. You've got all these feelings going on that are normal for every human being to have in your circumstance and it's hard to see clear in that situation. 
That's why you need others in the body of Christ because we can have faith because we're not in the mess with you. We can have faith. We can be help with the compass. We can help you find the direction and people to support you and, and not go on your own. And so uh, Jesus came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor without getting to all the Old Testament history of that. Um, the, the basic thing is, is that after a, a period of time, everything was supposed to return to its rightful owner. A slave that was owned by its original, it would go back to that original owner. And so when you think about it in the message of Jesus, the message of the kingdom, the message of victory, that, that the king has come to overthrow the kingdom of Satan, and now uh, the kingdom of God is here, Jesus is announcing. He's saying, I've come to overthrow this tyrannical rule of Satan, and I'm coming to take back what belongs to me, people I created in my image, that I created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I'm coming to take them back to their rightful owner. And that's our job and through his church. He, he wants us to go out and... Take people back that are free and, and release them into the Lord's favor. In other words, take them back, restore them to their rightful owner so they know who they are created in God's image. They know what their identity is in Christ and that they also have the purpose that God has gifted and created them for. And so this is part of our message. Jesus said the blind received, there was some confusion. You know, this, this last thing here, Jesus came to give his uh, inaugural address here, Luke 4. This is Luke 4. Here's why I've came. This was that first synagogue Sunday. He said all this. Here's, here's my, you know, whenever you get a president, they always give you their inaugural address. Right at the inauguration, they tell you what they're going to do. And then, uh, unlike Jesus, they don't do it. So Jesus, you know, he, he lines it out. And then the John the Baptist comes along. John the Baptist filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. Jesus' cousin. And, and he comes along. And he, at baptism, he baptized Jesus. And the Spirit of the Lord came on Jesus. And John all the time saying, look, I'm not the guy. He's the guy. When you see this guy, the Spirit descend on him. He's the one. He, he's the guy. The Lamb of God that takes the world. He's the Messiah. He's the one we've all been waiting for. He's the one I've been talking about. He's the one the prophets were talking about. He's the guy. Now John's in prison. And he sends some people. To John and says, John, John's asking you, Jesus, are you the guy? What? What happened to this guy? Prison food? Too long in the clinker? I mean, who knows? So now Jesus says, tell John this. No, tell John, no, no, I'm the guy. Because look, what I said back there, Luke 4, just let me remind you. Remember John's thinking politically? He's going to be, you know, everyone was thinking politically, all the Jews. They're still thinking politically. When is Israel going to be like David days or whatever? So, no, no, go back and tell John. Don't be confused. John, I told you the blind are going to receive their sight. The lame are going to walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The good news is preached to the poor. We're on track here. We're all good. Now, don't get confused. Don't, blessed is the man who doesn't fall away on account of me. Blessed is the one, or happy is the one, or joyful is the one who gets at my mission. Who? doesn't misunderstand why I'm here. I'm not here to overthrow Caesar, Herod, all these guys. That's all for later, but this is for now. Okay? So, again, the Great Commission, I'm saying, as we've looked at all these things, involves this. If then, here's my little math question to close. Okay? And we're going to spend some time here praying for each other, I hope. If this is all true, and you're buying it, and it's in the Scriptures... If Jesus' ministry was proclaiming the goodness of the kingdom of God, healing the sick and casting out demons, if the, if the commission he gave us in the 12, the 72, and the people in Acts is the same, 12, 72, the nature of the ministry in Acts, if it's all the same, they're all doing the same thing, and 
the evangelistic activity of the church from 100 to 400 A.D. Read an amazing book by a Yale scholar, classics professor, Ramsey McMullen. Not a believer, I don't think. He's just a scholar. He couldn't figure out, and it's a great question. As a classics professor of antiquity, he asked the question, how is it that Rome, a polytheistic culture with many gods, an emperor who was himself considered a god, who persecuted the Christians in the first century, how is it that 400 years later they converted to Christianity and all that stuff was done away with? How did that happen? That was his question as a scholar. And his answer was, and the short version, if you want to read the book, it's fascinating. His answer was, because they went around telling people that there was a kingdom of life they could enter in, and not to enter into life through Jesus Christ. The only other option for them was to remain in bondage to the powers of darkness. Then they healed sick people, and they cast demons out of people to verify the message they were saying. That's pretty cool. So the first 400 years continue this activity. Now, if that's all true, then I got this question for us, for the church here in North America especially. Why do we just, when we go out or do things, we meet people's needs like feed them soup or feed the hungry, or, but we don't also lead them to Christ, cast out demons and pray for the sick. Why can't we do both? Okay, that's a good plan, right? Do both. Now, coming from where I'm coming from, there are places, there are causes I know that advocate this on the left, feeding, but tell their students, do not evangelize anybody. Do not tell them about Christ. Okay, really? And then, oh, why do we do this? So we have Sunday morning. It's all good. We need to hear the word. We need to gather, preach the, preach the word of God. But we don't also meet people like our neighbors or our friends or work people and share the gospel with them. We invite them to church when we're supposed to go out, you know, like the signs are enter, you know, leaving. You're going to be a missionary, right? And so that's the thing. Why do we do this? Like do maybe do some presentation. And I've been to Easter services, man, where they got thousands of people to put on an amazing thing, you know, about the Easter story. And at the end, here's what they go. Uh, if you're interested in our church, there's some brochures in the back. Thank you for coming. You spent thousands and thousands of dollars for that? Really? Is it too unsensitive to say, hey, is there anyone here who would like to meet this person? You know, is there anybody here sick today? We'd love to pray for you. Is that, is that pushing it? Is there anybody who feels oppressed or just can't figure out what's going on? They're like, could you come forward? We'd love to pray for you. You know, maybe see Jesus bring you freedom and, or learn more about him. And you can get a brochure to you as a bonus, you know. No extra charge, okay? So then, then we go and do build things. We're all about, we love to do practical things. We feel like we're making some difference, you know, but can't we also proclaim the kingdom, heal the sick, and cast out demons? It just drives me nuts. Why can't we do that? Why, why can't we do that? We have the authority to do it. We've been told to do that. We've been commissioned to do that. But we keep doing the same things, which Einstein says is a definition of insanity. We keep doing the same things. We beef it up. We make it slicker. And we expect more results. But we get the same results, and we don't change anything. We should probably go back to the book and say, okay, what did he do? How did he do it? Let's do that. Okay? The question I'm asking is, do we have the same kind of fruit that he has? And do you want that kind of a fruit? Thank you for listening to the Kingdom Ministries podcast. This episode completes our second series on authoritative prayer. Can't get enough? Tune in to our next series. And Lord, let your kingdom come. Did you know we have an app? 
You can access all of our resources and even listen to this podcast all in one place. To download, please visit us at kingdomtools.org.